Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Here comes a lightning bolt. Charger fans are witnesses to history. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go. Welcome, everybody, to the Lightning Round Podcast. I am at Garrett Jamie, at Lightning underscore round. And today we continue our AFC West preview. We are going on the offseason of the Chargers division rivals. We did the Raiders last time. So if you want to go uh, listen to that one, we've done that one already. And today we are going to be talking about the Denver Broncos. Much like the rest of the AFC West, a lot of moves, a lot of moving pieces. Uh, and we will get right into it. We're just going to jump right into it. And let's go ahead and talk about these Broncos, Jamie. And let's start with the coaching staff because they've got a whole overhaul of this coaching staff this year. Yeah, so obviously they, they fired Vic Fangio at the end of last season. Um, and they hired Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach, which I think most people just kind of assumed they were doing to lure in Aaron Rodgers because Rodgers is – very supportive and very, he speaks very effusively in terms of his praise uh, w- about Nathaniel Hackett. Yep. And the overwhelming opinion that I have of him after researching him is that he seems to be a very smart guy. He seems to be a guy who is very relatable and understands how to connect with and motivate his players. Um, he is a guy who doesn't seem to take himself terribly seriously doesn't seem to go overboard in terms of taking football seriously, kind of trusts the players to be adults and go about their jobs. 
and he looks for opportunities to have fun with them and connect and bond with them. Um, he is a guy who's been kind of all around. He, he coached in college for a long time, basically uh, from 2012, or sorry, from 2003 to 2012 with a couple of small breaks uh, with Tampa and Buffalo in between. And he's been in the NFL consistently since 2014. Um, he is a guy who is known for uh, being very adaptable, being able to play to his position players' strengths, his skill players' strengths uh, in terms of his offense. Uh, his offensive history, probably his best year in terms of a play caller was that two seven, the 2017 season when Jacksonville went to the AFC championship game with Blake Bortles as their quarterback. Bortles had his best year as a pro, uh, that year, Leonard Fournette had his best year as a pro, uh, running a heavy inside zone scheme. Uh, and it's something that he's kind of carried with him, uh, since then, uh, he was with Jacksonville from 26, really 2015 to 2018, and then moved on to Green Bay in 2019. He, of course, Hackett did not call plays for Green Bay. Um, Matt LaFleur called, called plays for Green Bay. But uh, the offense they ran was very similar to what was run in Jacksonville. Um, they are very heavy 11 and 12 personnel. Basically, 90% of the time, they're going to be in either 11 or 12, with the majority being in 11 personnel which again is one tight end, one running back. Uh, he is a guy who is really known for kind of taking a step back in key situations and letting his, his players, uh, he delegates responsibility to his players and lets them take over when they need to. And he has a good feel for when to insert himself and when to remove himself yeah. does hack it. And it seems like this is going to be a, you know, kind of a, a West coast offense. They're going to run, you know, one to two tight ends most of the time. A lot of insides inside zone. They do a lot of duo blocking um, in the running game, which a lot of teams don't do. Uh, and they're gonna. I think they're gonna try to get Russell Wilson out of the pocket a lot on those. You know, design QB rollouts, kind of like a lot what we used to see uh, back in the the John Elway days um, in Denver. Kind of going back to the, their throwback offense there. So. That's, I think, what we're going to look for from Hackett in terms of an offensive play caller. And it seems like, you know, much like Josh McDaniels, he's put himself in position really to be the face of the offense and to be the CEO of the team. Um, there isn't a ton of experience in terms of his assistance in the roles that they're currently in. Uh, his most mm -hmm. experienced assistant assistant coach is, uh, is his defensive coordinator, who we'll talk about here in a minute. But really... He's surrounded himself with young coaches, young up and coming coaches, guys who have mostly been interns, uh, quality control coaches. Uh, some have been position coaches, but not a lot of experience to fall back on on that staff if things start to go awry. Um, but it seems like he's going to put his offense in a position to succeed by really leaning on the strengths of his skill players. Yeah, uh, totally different personality types between Hackett and Fangio. Fangio, more of an animated personality. Hackett, more of an adaptable, laid-back type of coach there with the Broncos. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator for the Packers last three seasons. Uh, yeah, the fact that he was able to get Bortles into the playoffs is uh, definitely a feather in his cap. He had the uh, top-scoring offense in 2020 with the Packers under the floor. So uh, definitely has a resume. Uh, like Jamie mentioned, he's gonna, they're going to run a West Coast offense. There's going to be some of that Mike Shanahan influence there. And uh, you talked about some inside. I think there will be a lot of outside zone-heavy scheme there, too. 
from the Broncos heading into 2022. This is um, a, a hire that, you know, like Jamie mentioned, we all thought it was because they were going to try to bring Aaron Rodgers over to Denver. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, they got a different quarterback who we'll talk about in a little bit, but uh, a laid back guy, very adaptable, uh, storied uh, coordinator in the NFL so far. I uh, get his first stint as the head coach for the Denver Broncos in 2022. And then uh, as Jamie was kind of hinting at, he brought on the offensive coordinator, Justin, uh, Justin Otten. Uh, like we talked about with Mick Lombardi with the Raiders, uh, this is a guy Hackett brought over for the Packers who's kind of that placeholder as an offensive coordinator. Uh, Hackett's had success as an NFL offensive coordinator. Otten hasn't risen any higher than a tight end coach for the Packers the past three years, and Outen doesn't have any experience as an OC, but will be working with Hackett to kind of implement that offensive vision. So uh, much like the Raiders, same thing. Even I mean, even with the Chargers and what uh, – and what they did defensively, uh, bringing in a you know an offensive-minded coach and having kind of a placeholder there with the already storied offensive coordinator there, Nathaniel Hackett. So I think in hiring Hackett and hiring Justin Outen, who, as you mentioned, really hasn't risen any higher than tight ends coach uh, in his time with Green Bay and has mostly been an intern and an offensive assistant. It seems like we're kind of getting a picture of what that offense is going to look like. You know, we mentioned west coast uh, i think we're going to see the tight ends be more involved in that offense and we than we have in recent years uh, a lot of zone heavy running schemes uh really designed to simplify the reads for their running backs um and i and obviously outen is kind of like you mentioned he's the placeholder he's kind of the yes man of the offense he obviously is not going to be calling plays they hack it they hired hackett for his offensive play calling so he will be running the offense. He will be designing the offense. And Outen is kind of just there, much like Hackett was in Green Bay for LaFleur, to bounce ideas off of. But Hackett's going to be the decision maker. Yeah. Yeah. And so then they also hired another defensive coordinator uh, when you were talking about a little bit, a Giro Averro as their defensive coordinator. Yeah. So, yeah, Averro is a guy who's been a, a – coach in the NFL for 15 years. He's been a defensive assistant and offensive assistant. He's been a position coach. Now he's ascended to defensive coordinator and he's had really a very uh, well-rounded history in terms of the defensive coaches that he's coached under. Uh, he's coached under Vic Fangio. He's coached under Dom Capers. He's coached under Monty Kiffin. And he was, uh, he was a, I believe a secondary coach for Brandon Staley when Staley mm -hmm. spent his year in, in, with the Rams. So yep. this is a guy who runs a three, four. Um, and he's already said that their system is going to basically stay the same, which I think is an advantage for them over a team like the Raiders, who's changing over not only the scheme, but they're changing over personnel in, in droves this off season. Uh, their defense really isn't going to have to change much. They're going to, they're going to have to learn some new terminology here and there, according to the players but things are really going to stay the same. And his philosophy is very similar to Brandon Staley's, which is they really want to get home to the quarterback with four often with four defensive linemen. They're not looking to bring a ton of extra pressure unless they really have to. He's not opposed to blitzing, but it's not what he's looking to do. And he's going to lean on that secondary uh, with Sertan and Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. He's going to lean on these guys to hold down the back end of the defense and give the, the defensive line a chance to get home and get to the quarterback. So I think they're going to run that kind of too high shell, much like what the Chargers ran. 
I think you'll probably see some elements of zone blitz mixed in there based on his history with Dom Kippers. And it is worth noting that his most experienced defensive assistant is Dom Capers, who's like a defensive senior. De- yeah. Senior defensive assistant, senior defensive assistant. So I think that kind of gives you a hint that we're going to see some exotic looks We're they're probably going to build in some of those zone blitzes. We might see some Tampa two uh, influenced by Monty Kiffin. So, and I think we'll see a lot of disguises and a lot of rotating coverages like what Brandon Staley does. So, uh, that seems to be the new wave in the NFL. The Raiders are moving to it. The Chargers move to it. Seems like everybody you read about this offseason is moving to that kind of um, amoeba-like defense that is, you know, flexible and that is disguising and, and hiding coverages. So, um, n- no different really for the Broncos here. But that they have the advantage of they know the defense, and the defense is something that kept them in games last year, and I suspect it will probably keep them in games this year while the offense. Is- offense catches up you mentioned it a three four too high uh doesn't have any experience as dc vero doesn't but uh, uh he has been around a lot of successful defenses was a secondary coach for the rams uh and to help out uh you mentioned don capers who uh vero actually coached under uh, he'll be the senior defensive assistant uh, to help out there which uh, you have the experience there but capers you know, uh, other than being the Packers DC for eight years, he's been the senior defensive assistant every year since with a new team. He was with the Jags, the Vikings, the Lions, and now Broncos for four straight years. And all teams that Capers have been tied with as an assistant has struggled defensively. And then he's been fired these subsequent years. So he's only had uh, one season with each team for four years. So uh, we'll see if he'll be able to stick on with the Broncos more than just one season. But, uh, yeah, d- same type of defense, new defensive coordinator. So you think they might be ahead of the curve a little bit. There's some new pieces on defense, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, uh, you know, I while I think they're not so far behind the eight ball here in terms of starting in camp, I do think not having Fangio there, which, you know, really was this the Broncos D was his staple. Uh, I think they're going to take a step back this season, but still I, I, they added some pieces and I think uh, they'll be okay. I don't think it's going to be a huge drop off, but uh, it's going to be interesting seeing how Avero does his first year as DC. So uh, let's, let's yeah, move I, on. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. There was one other thing I wanted to add too that stood out to me looking over the defensive coaching staff is even more so than on offense outside of capers. There is, like no experience on those defensive assistants, none. Oh, no. It's loaded oh. with guys who were in their first, second, or third year as as NFL mm-hmm. coaches. So, uh, Avero going into his first year as a play caller, he's surrounded by position coaches uh, and assistants who are in their first, second, or third year in the NFL. And uh, you mentioned Capers has struggled everywhere he's been for the last few years. So, yep, you know, not really a lot of experience to fall back on or uh you know seasoned guys that he can bounce ideas off of and collaborate with it's mm-hmm. all going to be on him so if, yeah. if they struggle they could have a hard time pulling themselves out of it because there's really nobody there who can help who can speak from experience and help clean things up he's going to have yeah. to really rely on the players to do that for him yeah where i think and, th- and that's why i kind of mentioned i think you know fangio had them kind of firing the last few years, even though they weren't a very good team. Defense was good. I think they take a step back here in 2022, especially with, you know, all those green coordinators, uh, 
running that defensive uh, unit there. So uh, let's uh, let's start talking about the offseason moves, and we'll start with offense. And, uh, of course, the big one here, Jamie, is they traded for Russell Wilson. They traded Drew yeah. Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two first, two seconds, and a fifth, and they got Russell Wilson. They got Russell Wilson, and it sounds like Russell Wilson wants, what, a, a, quarter, a half a bill um, <laughs> yeah. on an extension? Yeah. So. Uh-huh. Maybe they should have done their homework a little bit before they traded for him on what kind of a, a contract he was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wilson's a guy who I've always liked as a quarterback. He just always seemed to be a guy who came up with the big play uh, when his offense needed it. That's tailed off a little bit the last couple of years, mostly because of injury, but also because he was playing on a team with no offensive line and no running game. And he was running for his life in a lot of cases. They just weren't, they were not as well coached as they had been early in Pete Carroll's tenure. And the roster fell off around them as guys start to got start started to get expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I know a lot of people think that Wilson's a guy who is falling off precipitously and might be done. I I don't prescribe to that theory. I think he's going to be reborn in this offense. I think they're going to put him in a situation to be efficient and successful. They're going to take advantage of his deep ball. Um, and they're going to move him around the pocket to help him see the f- see the field a lot better. And they're going to run the ball. Denver always runs the ball. They're going to run the ball well. It's going to set up the play action pass, and it's going to put him in a position to throw from a clean pocket and move around and make plays, which is what he does best. And he's stepping into a system where even though he doesn't have uh, the receivers that he had in Seattle, you know, Cortland Sutton is a damn good intermediate target. Um Tim Patrick is another really good intermediate target. He's a guy who was undrafted and has developed into a very solid NFL wide receiver. And this is an offense that has an opportunity to take a leap forward. Uh, it might take some time, but if they figure out how to unlock Jerry Judy, who has been, in my opinion, criminally underused as this orbit motion gimmick gadget mm-hmm. type player in some really bad offenses with really bad quarterbacks, if they figure out how to get him down the field, it's going to open up a ton of problems for defenses in the middle of the field with Patrick and Sutton and their tight end, who I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. Alberto. (laughs) Alberto. Um, I think those guys are going to eat big time this year. If they figure out how to unlock Judy as a deep threat, if he's a guy who's averaging 17 to 20 yards a catch this year, and he's putting up, you know, 60 ish catches, he has a chance to have a really big season and it's going to open up things for everybody around him. So I, I think Wilson was a good get for them. I don't know what happens with the contract long-term, but as long as he's there on his current contract, I think this is a guy who's still got life left in his legs, still got life left in his arm. He's a leader. He is a proven winner and God, they, I mean, they've been, they've been giving the chargers fits with drew lock and Teddy Bridgewater for the last couple mm-hmm. of years. So getting somebody of Wilson's caliber to step in and lead that offense and having an offensive coordinator who you know is going to play to his strengths and who honestly is going to step back and let him lead when he needs to. I think this offense, it might take some time, but I think this offense is going to be really good and they have the potential to be explosive if they figure out how to use Jerry Judy properly. Yeah, he's kind of the key piece of that offense. They don't really have a wide receiver one per se, you know, that dominant uh, wide receiver one, but they've got a lot of... They've got a really strong core, and uh, you mentioned Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. I'll even add in KJ Hamler, who a guy that just isn't doesn't seem to be utilized as much as 
he should be. He he could really be a player too. And they uh, went back, re-signed Melvin Gordon. So it's going to be Javante Williams and Gordon in the backfield for that running attack. And uh, they lost Noah Fant, but uh, you know they've got Albert O, who becomes a starter. And they drafted Greg Dolchich in the third round as a knife death piece. I mean, Jamie and I in the draft process uh, after going back and watching him a little bit more, uh, I I agree with Jamie. He, he's a nice uh, nice option there as a depth piece, as tight end two. So they got and you know having a, a tight end a tight end coach <laughs> as your offensive coordinator kind of helps there too. So they've got uh, two pretty good pieces in Albert O and Dolchich. And then uh, the offensive line is pretty much still intact. They added Billy Turner, who was formerly of the Packers, to right tackle. And that right tackle spot was just a rotating veteran carousel in 2021. So they obviously upgraded uh, right tackle. And, you know, even though they got better at right tackle, it seems, you know, that interior offensive line is particularly susceptible, pretty weak inside, but luckily for Wilson, uh, it is still worlds better than what he had in Seattle. So uh, <laughs> even with a middle-of-the-road offensive line, uh, he's got a better line in Denver. So uh, they, they added some pieces, uh, obviously Russell Wilson being uh, the marquee add there on offense, but uh, did little pieces. Would have liked to see them improve the depth on the offensive line a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, as far as this wide receiver group goes, that's going to be what really makes this uh, – team tick and i was i had the same note uh, jamie did it's all about jerry judy we know Cortland sutton could be good we know tim patrick can be good but can jerry judy be good enough i mean just the that kind of almost gadget role that they had him in last year is just downright criminal this is a player they drafted him high uh, they should really be utilizing him uh, more than he is and so if, if jerry judy can hit here in 2022 this can be a very dangerous offense yeah, I totally agree. And they, they also added Ben Braden for depth on the interior. Mm-hmm. They brought back uh, Calvin Williams, I think his last name is, one of their right tackles, one of their defensive ta- – their backup tackles. They 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 had a quiet offseason in terms of the offensive line. They didn't make any big splashes, but they brought back their key depth pieces. They brought in Braden. They signed Turner, who can play guard and tackle. They have some flexibility I think um, I think they did a, a good enough job that if the interior stays healthy, uh, they've got some good young players in the middle who can play if they're if they're on the field. They've got a chance to have a solid, even if it's not you know an elite offensive line. I think it's going to be much better than it has been, and like you mentioned, it's going to be much better than than what Wilson was playing behind in Seattle, which was basically a cheese grater. Yeah, big slice of Swiss cheese. <laughs> yep. So. Uh, let's, let's move on to defense. Cause they made some, uh, big moves here, Jamie, and they went and signed out one of our guys, defensive tackle, DJ Jones from the 49ers. And of course they got the edge, Randy Gregory. Yeah. Jones was arguably not our, he was the best run stuffing defensive tackle on the free agent market. There were a lot of great defensive tackles on the market, but Jones was the guy who all arrows for him were pointing up. I think he's been an elite run stopper in terms of ESPN's run stop with percentage for the last two or three years. Uh, he's been really, really good. Um, having him in the middle to replace Shelby Harris is a big addition for them. Uh, and then they went out and they added Randy Gregory as well. Uh, a guy who everybody thought was going to resign with Dallas. He had all but resigned, had basically agreed yeah. to a deal and they tried to change terms on him at the last minute and he went out and signed a deal with Denver for basically the same amount that Dallas was going to give him, which I'm sure Jerry just absolutely loved. 
Um, <laughs> Why mess with the contract late? You got a deal. Just button it up. What are you doing? Just, just don't be stupid. Yeah. Just keep it simple and let the guy sign the deal. Yeah. Um, you know, Gregory is a guy who's been on and off the field a lot. Obviously, had he had the problems with marijuana early in his career. Uh, that seems to have been cleaned up. He had some injury issues. You know, he's a guy who was on the field a lot last year. Anytime he's played, I think, more than 13 games, he's averaged six sacks a season, which is good, not great. Um, he's a guy who everybody is kind of – I think they're projecting him to be kind of that, that Von Miller replacement who's going to step in and get – 9, 10, 12, 13 sacks. I'm not sure if he's that guy. Maybe playing opposite somebody like a Bradley Chubb will help him get to that double-digit sack total. I just think we've kind of seen who he is. He's a good player. He's going to get to the quarterback. He's pretty good against the run. Um, I think he can play standing up. He can play with his hand in the dirt. He gives you some flexibility. He's going to be a stand-up edge, I would think, for them. Um, but I don't know that he's the you know terror pass rusher that they paid him to be. So I guess we'll find out. I think, you know, when you lose Von Miller, that that's a hard guy to replace. Yeah. I think Gregory is a guy who has a chance to step in and be productive at the very least, if not, you know, take another step forward in his career. So solid signing, not great, but solid. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they kind of focused on depth after that. You know, they brought in Kawan Williams to play the slot. They re-signed Josie Jewell. They made some other, you know, minor defensive ads. They really focused on building up depth at linebacker corner safety and wide receiver through free agency in the draft this year. And they stuck with that in, um, in the undrafted free agent market as well. So it seems like they're really trying to build skill position add speed add depth and build their special teams. Um, but you know, like we mentioned, this is an established defensive unit. Uh, they're probably going to be pretty good against the run. They mm -hmm. should be able to get to the quarterback pretty well. And their secondary is really good. And they, they're able to disguise coverages and play a lot of different looks. So that that's why they give the Chargers fits in a lot of in a lot of ways. And that should probably continue to some extent. Yeah, getting uh DJ Jones hurt watching him go to the Chargers yep. division as much as we loved him. And um, I mean, that's a huge upgrade uh with Draymond Jones and Deshaun Williams. They drafted Yoma Warzariki in the fourth as some depth on the D-line. And then uh, after signing Randy Gregory, who I agree with you, I mean, you, Randy Gregory has always been an up and down type of edge player, whether it's off the field issues, injuries, but you can't replace Von Miller, a future Hall of Famer. Uh, they they do the best they can and they got Randy Gregory, which is a huge signing. So having Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb is great in terms of having a one-two punch on the edge and then seeing Chandler Jones and the Chargers getting Khalil Mack, they had to do something. And so getting Gregory and Chubb on the outside is really good for them. Uh, without their first-round pick, they drafted Nick uh, Bonito in the second round as an edge three. I wasn't crazy about Bonito coming out of college, but as a third edge rusher, I think it's a pretty good spot for him to start. He's crazy athletic, uh, was really undersized in college. He's going to need to bulk up. Technique needed work, but to you know, give him a year or two to kind of bulk up and refine that technique behind Gregory and Chubb is kind of the ideal situation for a guy like Benito. Um, I, I think it's a really good spot for him. Uh, seemed a little high for me. I, I had a third round grade on him, but they got a, they got some depth on the edge for the Broncos there at corner. They lost Bryce Callahan, of course, because he's a Charger now. Uh, they lost Kyle Fuller, but like Jamie mentioned, they signed Quan Williams to play the slot. 
Uh, they also signed Ronald Darby to play outside opposite Patrick Sertan. So, you know, uh, the corners are going to be pretty good again. Back end is the same. Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson. Uh, for me, the weak point is linebacker. Uh, re-signing Josie Jewell is good, uh, but Jonas Griffin, who played last year because of injuries, is going to have to earn a starting role in the second in his second year. And then also uh, Baron Browning, who they drafted, uh, is now going to move to edge. So they've lost some depth there at linebacker, and the starters that they have is pretty thin as it is. So uh, much like the Raiders, and I guess you could say the Chargers too, the weak spot is in the middle of that defense. It's the linebacking core. And I, I like Josie Jewell. We both like Josie Jewell as a sleeper. Uh, so we have a soft spot for him. They were able to re-sign him. I, I'm, I'm fine with Josie Jewell, but uh, outside of him, with Jonas Griffin and everybody else behind them, not much depth, not totally crazy about that linebacker group. So while they have a good defense, a, a made some solid additions, uh, the linebacker group is the weak part of that defense for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Jules, a, he's especially good in coverage. He's not, a, I don't think he's all that great against the run, but he's a guy who can play a little bit. He was a guy who we wanted, you know, we thought would be a good fit as a, you know, linebacker three, four kind of a guy to come in and compete for, for a position. And, and as a day three pick too. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I had similar feelings on Benito. I think I had a third round pick on him as well. He's a guy who obviously is athletic. He can get to the quarterback a little undersized. I thought there were some snaps where he was kind of getting big boyed a little bit by offensive yep. tackles when they got their hands on him. He has a hard time getting himself free. Dolchich feels like a great third round pick for them. He's going to be yes. really, really good. He's uber athletic. He's got great hands, makes plays in the deep and intermediate parts of the field. Just a really fun watch. And then the rest of the draft was really just about depth. The Laren Turner yell at safety. Uh, you mentioned Awazariki, a guy who I liked and was hoping the Chargers would get in like the fourth, fifth round area. Um, Matt Henningsen is another guy, a Michigan defense, defensive lineman who I liked. I, I wouldn't mind getting in the late rounds. He winds up with the Broncos. It seems like they, they're really trying to build that interior line depth to help out mm -hmm. the linebackers a little bit. Um, you know, Damari Mathis, Fayon Hicks, both defensive backs, just really Montreal, Washington wide receiver. All those picks just really scream special teams to me, depth, special teams, getting more athletic, uh, getting faster, more explosive, things like that. So uh, they struggled on special teams last year. So adding some speed and some playmaking ability on special teams will help the Broncos quite a bit. Um, and I think they got some, some potential playmakers at the top of their draft. So solid draft. Uh, solid if, you know, outside of, I guess it depends on really how you feel about Gregory, you know, adding Wilson was huge for them. Jones was really good for them. And then the rest of the guys were just kind of, you know, um, I don't want to call them depth pieces, but they're, you know, one to two year deals, guys who are going to fit in and compete for a spot, but aren't really standout signings, but they fill important holes on the team and, and give them a chance to build out some depth and, and get better. So overall, pretty solid off uh, off season for the Broncos. We were we were lucky to uh, have the housework at a minimum. So I think that's that sound is means we probably need to wrap it up here. And I, I agree with you. I think a lot of people were very high on Randy Gregory, and I, I was expecting you to be very high on Randy Gregory, uh, but uh, not not as high as most people are. Obviously, a, a good edge, but not the you know, double digit sack guy, I think, uh, very much. And I, I think, you know, with the 
injury concerns. I don't know that you can depend on him to do that. But let's go ahead and talk about where you think the Broncos will finish. How many wins, if you had to guess, kind of just off the top of your head? And uh, where do you think in the division? They won seven games last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were competitive in most of them, I think. Uh, and they're probably they're probably not going to have a real tough schedule this year. So outside of the division, at least. I would not be at all surprised to see them win nine to 10 games this year. Damn it, Jamie. Just Damn a punch. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I agree be, with you. I think they're going to be pretty solid. Um, let me just pull up their schedule here. We don't need to go game by game, but so let's see. They start Seahawks, Texans, 49ers, Raiders, Colts, Chargers. Ooh, the back end of their schedule. Give them a chance to get some wins, at least the middle. Yeah, I think nine to 10 wins. I think they're probably going to finish. They'll be in the hunt, I think, for third place in the comp- in the division. And maybe with a break here, there could be in contention for a wild card. I think they're going to be better than Chargers fans think they will be. Um, I think they're going to give the Raiders fits. They always give the Chargers fits. And yeah, I think nine to 10 wins is, is right where they're going to be. That that was my prediction too. I think they've got a soft beginning of the schedule: Seahawks, Texans, Colts, Jets, Jags, Titans without AJ Brown. But then when you look, they've got Panthers. But then after Week 13, it's Ravens, Chiefs, Cardinals, Rams, Chiefs, Chargers. They got a real hard home stretch there, uh, much like the Raiders. But I'm with you. I think that they are a nine to ten win team. They had seven wins last year. And they are a much better team on paper with a much better quarterback, which is very, very important. And so I think this is a nine win team. And for context, the Chargers were nine, eight last year and almost made the playoffs. That's, I think, where the Broncos are at. They're right there. They're on the cusp of a wild card spot. They are a nine win team, a 10 win team. If they can, if uh, they can steal a game or two here or there, but uh, this is a much better team. This will be improved in 2022. I really do believe that. And I think, uh, Wilson isn't completely washed like most people think he is, and I think he will help improve this team. So I've got them, you know, about nine and eight like the Chargers were last year, and there it's just going to be a really, really tight AFC West race here going into 2022. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think they're Wilson's definitely not washed. I, I don't think he's washed. I think you're probably looking at a top five to seven quarterback. Um, he's not what he used to be. Worst? No, he's not top two or three. Yeah. But I think you're top, probably looking at him sliding in somewhere in the five to ten range. Five um, to in terms ten. Of, do you disagree? I'm trying to think here. Off the top of my head, I would say he's yeah. I guess like I would say eight to ten. But yeah, I hear you. That's fair. Yeah. Seven, eight, somewhere in there. That's probably mm-hmm. that's probably more reasonable. That's fair. But yeah, I, I don't think he's washed. I think he's going to make them better. If they won seven games with with Locke and Bridgewater. You yeah, think they, gonna win at least they went from an eight, nine quarterback from a 32nd quarterback, 31st with Drew Locke and Bridgewater. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely improved. Absolutely. And so coming up, we're going to do the Chiefs next week. We'll preview, of course, the Chargers biggest rival to that AFC West crown, the Kansas City Chiefs. And we will do it next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I am at Garrett on Twitter at lightning underscore round and we will see you next time thanks everybody 